Shut up and sit down. It's 
terrible. I do not feel that was insensitive. I do feel there was nothing Freudian in that. That was just, that was just, you know, I don't know what that was. That was just been a long week. And Kira says, I'm having a problem with my Bluetooth mouse, and promptly my Bluetooth mouse has its dead battery light just flare up at me, and I was like, what the hell? That karma? I don't know. Yeah. Can can uh, electronics fail by uh, contagious behavior? I don't <laughs> know, but it, it's actually a good plot, Bunny, because what if they could? Well, didn't we have that week where everybody's electronics were dying? Your coffee maker died. My magic wand died. Yeah. It was yeah. sad. It was terrible. <laughs> the two things that give me pleasure in life, if they'd have both gone out on me at the same time, <laughs> it would have just been more than I could tolerate. Of course, I only use my Keurig for hot water anyway, but that's beside the point. That is beside Anyways, the point. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, female characters. I, I've been accused of misogyny in fandom. <laughs> um, I think most, I know, right? Most slash writers eventually will be accused of misogyny. It's it's what happens. It's because you make the woman the bad guy, and suddenly you're a misogynist because women can't be evil. <laughs> I've got news for all of you people. I have met some truly fucked up people in my life, but no man will ever be as fucked up as a woman who loses her mind. Just just know this. Accept it as truth. It is. It's profound truth. That the, women, the thing is, women go off the rails much less frequently than men, and they're not as overt about do. it. We're, con- we're, we're more subtle. <laughs> With our vengefulness. And more terrible. And when, you know, a oh, man will awful. just kill you. A, a woman will set you on fire. woman will put a, you know, a woman will take a curl, a, a cheating man. This is a true story. Some people have probably heard this. And she'll put a curling iron, tie him down, put a curling iron up his butt, turn it on, and leave. Men don't think of shit <laughs> like that. that. I've heard that story. It is terrible. It is terrible. Um... But yeah, I mean, so yeah, women women can be vengeful. Women can be the bad guy in your story, and making a woman the bad guy in your story um, doesn't make you a misogynist. And I kind of find it empowering to make the woman the bad guy, you know, to like really explore that. And this was actually even before ties that bind. I was actually accused of of, of misogyny because of um, Tangled Destinies. I'm not making because that up. Tangled destinies. <laughs> I know, right? I'm I'm flailing about yeah. mentally, going, "What?" There's a scene in Tangled Destinies in the very first um, installment where Derek and Spock make a decision together to make Amanda happy because they know she's never going to ask to return to Earth, even though they both know she wants to, and um, they don't ask her. And I was accused of um, misogyny because Sarek chose to move his family to Earth to make his wife happy and didn't discuss it with her. That's why I'm a misogynist. I know, right? And actually, Tangled Destinies is practically my love letter to Amanda Grayson. So um, it was really 
outrageous to be accused of misogyny for that. If they had come in and said that I'm a misogynist because Sam Carter's the bad guy and ties that bind, I'd have been like, well, I don't agree, but I I understand your point of view. Well, but the thing is, ties that bind also had Anne and I mean Anne and Allison, who you always and Elizabeth portray, and Elizabeth, who you always portray beautifully, and 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 they were well rounded and felt like full characters, and so the fact that a one woman is a bad guy is not an, uh, no, that's just wrong. And Amanda was my favorite kind of badass in Tangled Destinies. You know, um, someone who is is just has a lot of depth. Um and she's a felt authentically female, but she was just tough as nails. And the mother, because really is um um at the time me and my mother were having problems when I wrote Tangled Destinies. Um we were having um we were having major issues when I wrote Tangled Destinies. And um I think that a lot of that um discussion of motherhood and um Amanda's role in Spock's life and um his love for his mother. That's you know, that's about as close as I've ever gotten to a self insert, I think. Because <clears throat> I kinda I don't know. I kinda explode all over that and angsted over it like a teenage girl. That's <laughs> that's what I did there. But anyways so that's what happens to slash writers. They get accused of misogyny, um, and then when you stick a female character in, you know, you just kind of wait with bated breath, like you said, for someone to drop the Mary Sue shoe on you because it's going to happen. Inevitably. And sometimes they do it, and I find the most insidious dropping on it. Because when I was involved in this early, early on in the late 90s, and I'm watching what goes on in the community, and I most of the – communities I was involved in had, had, you know, be polite rules, you know, we didn't, nobody liked being flamed. But constructive criticism was a part of life in these communities, and you were expected to give it, and you were expected to receive it gracefully. And so people would say things like, um, you're too gifted a writer to resort to Mary Sue's and self-insertions. <laughs> Do you not want to stab somebody in the face? And, and you know that's really insidious because it sounds like they're you know they're putting on this I'm trying to help you and here's a compliment you're really talented, but you know it really is just being slapped. It's no different than um, I don't know why you waste your time writing fan fiction. Yeah. If I've heard that once, I've heard that twenty five million times. I mean. Hmm. So somebody, um, it was last week, it was uh, um, over when I finished posting Journey, somebody pinged me and said, how come none of your, how come you don't have any female characters in the story? And um, I, I think I have, you know, other, uh, which isn't true, there, there, there are three canon female characters in the story. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, um, they all have problems in the story. And there are no female OCs, and I think I have at least six male OCs in the story. And normally people ping me about stuff like that, and I just kind of go, oh, whatever. I'm not listening to you. But I actually stopped, and I actually really started thinking about it. Why don't I have female OCs? And it was really on my mind for several days. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that there's this, That's when I and that's when I started writing my little thoughts down about, you know, this, like, insidious voice in the back of my head that said, if um 
if you if you have a woman do something other than take your temperature at the hospital or take your order at the diner, you're going to get accused of of Mary suing or doing a self insert or something along those lines. And uh, there's crossover between self insertion and Mary sues, but I tend to make them, you know, because actually I insert myself in my writing all over the place, um, not in terms of a character, but I a lot of times I look to myself or my family for quirks to give my character so they're more well rounded. And a lot of the mm-hmm. OCD quirks my characters have, if they have an OCD quirk, odds are it's mine. <laughs> so if one well, of my characters, as a writer, is, you have to be, go ahead, go ahead. <clears throat> I would say I, so. If one of my characters is obsessed with office supplies, that's me. You know, I, I refer <laughs> to Tony's being an obsessive hand washer in uh, one of the stories. Gibbs is kind of mystified by it. He's, he's why does he wash his hand all the time? That's me. You know, so. But I also go to my family for that kind of stuff. To me, that, those are like mini self-insertions, but I tend to not put myself in as a character in, into stories. But even if I did, so mm-hmm. what? You know, that's it's your shit, right? Exactly. It's mine. I can do what the hell I want to do. If you don't like it, here's a link to Disney.com. I think that um, as a writer, you have to acknowledge early on that all of your work has you in it. Um, it's part of you. It's part of your... It's your speech patterns, your opinions, your beliefs, all of it is eventually going to show up in your work whether you want it to or not. Um, but there is a difference between accepting that your voice is part of you and it's going to be in your work and purposefully putting yourself in a story. Like those stories I see in the Hobbit fandom where suddenly a teenage girl from the future is in Middle Earth. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Have you seen that? I do know exactly what you're talking about. It's just, or in you know, or or mystically it appears in the Avengers, you know, headquarters, Avengers Mansion. There's suddenly some random girl. It's like, who's this? You know, it, it, it's got to make sense. <laughs> oh, that's the author. That's who that is, and that's fine. I mean, so what? You play with it, but own it. You know, yeah, I think if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to do a Mary Sue, if you're going to do a self-insert, you need to really own it and make it, you know, just have no shame. I agree. Um, Stand <clears throat> in the face of the opposition and do it whatever the hell you want to do. I, uh, I've i been writing a lot of head lately, and um, I did confess a couple weeks ago as to why. It's because I got grossed out by something that happened in the chat room. And, um, um, Jack, you will behave, or you will go to bed. Are we clear? Are we clear? No licking? Okay, sorry, that that's my dog. <laughs> when she takes that tone of voice, I just want to agree with her. <laughs> I'm like, sure, Kira, no licking, I promise. <laughs> that's my dom voice. Anyway, <clears throat> I mean it. So what happened in the chat room? I, I you know, I, I actually um, don't know. Um, what I, turned you? You need to. Um, I can't repeat this in front of you. Go away. Um, my husband opened the door. Someone posted a picture of two men having sex, and the bottom had explosive diarrhea. And okay. it was an animated gift. Okay. Gift. And I wasn't there for it, right? But being the dumbass that I am, I called myself doing due diligence 
and I asked to see this picture. And I don't blame the minion who sent it to me. It's not your fault. You were just doing what I asked of you. The person who did post it got banned from my site. But the end result is is that I was physically ill, and then um, it was actually, and I have, I have barely written gay sex since. She ruined me. I mean, it was just, it was, oh, <laughs> I was so <laughs> horrified, and I've, I've, I've gotten better about it. I mean, I've kind of worked my way back into it. And the thing is, is I have um, a lot of kinks, and I find my, I, I consider myself um, worldly when it comes to sex. There's very little about sex that I'm not at least semi-aware of. You know, even if something I haven't tried, I've I've definitely you know um, investigated it and, and watched it because I watch a lot of porn. Um, but that was not something. Um, no. No. Yeah, I have to, you know I have to admit that I uh, I used to be uh, I used to be one of the mo- moderators on a kink forum, and we mm-hmm. didn't just moderate. My role wasn't just moderate. My role was also to encourage discussion. So I would pick topics like topic of the week kind of thing. And so in order to do topic of the week, and because this was an extreme kink discussion forum, in order to do topic of the week, I had to do a lot of research (laughs) into some extreme kinks that really weren't my thing. And, um, you know, with all the stuff I researched, I have to tell you that uh, um, the scat stuff was really the hardest for me. I I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. Not trying, you know. I'm like, I'm, but you know, and I have to be in this position of no judgment, moderator, encouraging discussion. But man, it was hard. Uh, um, um, I have watched some things that would squeak, squeak people, squeak, whatever, however, how you want to say it. Um, I read an, an Inception fic with a golden shower in it, and I wasn't particularly bothered by that. It's not my kink. It didn't turn me on, but I wasn't freaked out. I knew it was coming because the author did, in fact, warn for it. Um, and if you don't know what a golden shower is, it's when um, somebody takes a piss on another person for sexual gratification. Usually the person being pissed on is the one who's getting the sexual gratification. Um, <clears throat> and, I, it, like I said, it, it wasn't exciting, but it, it wasn't horrifying either, but this this was horrifying. This, I did not see that. I mean, look, I did see that shit coming. <laughs> because I was, I was warned in advance that it was going to happen. But I didn't anticipate, I, I just didn't anticipate my response to it. And I should have realized um, when I was told that Azor threw up that I didn't want to see it. Um, I should have known. Because, yeah, that's um, a clue. I think that if Azor can't handle it, then none of us need to see it. That should be a new rule. That should be rule number two. Azor rule one, do not eat or drink anything in the chat room, listen to the radio show or or in our Minion headquarters. And two, if Azor thinks it's gross, you don't want to see it. Oh, that's so horrifying! I'm still, I still got your. <laughs> I saw that shit coming so, down through my head. I can't believe you said that. 
no Lord. Jack. No. Okay. No. No Jack. Okay. Um. Uh, it's cold outside, so my um, so my, my my little dog is in my office, and he's usually not in my office during my radio show, and he doesn't um, appreciate me being on the phone as a general rule. <laughs> he has no idea what this is currently. This is just unacceptable behavior on my part. Um, so I haven't been writing a lot of um, slash, and I I got some um, I got some backlash, as I as I'm sure you can can anticipate um uh-huh. i got complaints um are you going are you are you not writing for stargate anymore are you um have you stopped writing slash you know just you know all kinds of and i actually started to feel guilty for what i was publishing and for what i was writing and that's really irritating to feel guilty about what i'm doing when i'm enjoying myself um because I was writing Harry and Hermione, and oh, I, then I posted those three hit stories in the Hobbit fandom where I changed Bilbo into a girl, and I got three emails about the gender bending, um, and one of which told me I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't help myself, so I asked her. I asked her why I should be ashamed of myself, and she said I should. Now, obviously, this is a person who has, um, who I don't know if she's new to my stuff or she's completely unaware of my stuff, but she said that if I'm uncomfortable writing slash, I shouldn't write in the fandom at all. Okay, that's fucked up. Because I mean, especially in especially in the uh, in the Hobbit, you almost. I almost want to see a little more het in that fandom because it and, and, and canon canon encourages um this 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 viewpoint because it's such a male centric universe. Um Well there are no female characters in the Hobbit. Yeah. In the book. I mean there's like one or two mentioned. I think I was talking to Senna in we were chatting one day and we sort of went down this I don't remember how we bunnied ourselves into um Arwen and, and Belladonna took um ship. <laughs> but it was entertaining. <laughs> we'll just take all the good women and put them together and fuck the men. <laughs> I you know, there are a lot there are more women in Lord of the Rings than there are um than so yes, there are women in Lord of the Rings. But I don't know how many of them are actually um, mentioned even by name in The Hobbit. I think that we see um, Gladriel in the White Council mm-hmm. meeting, and then later on with the um, with the Necromancer. But that's it. That's it. That's all we get. And there are fourteen. Basically, there are fourteen characters in The Lord of the Rings. Not in Lord of the Rings. In The Hobbit. And um, they're all male. Fifteen, if you count Gandalf. Um, that's who we see. We see some um, in the movie. I'm not sure if Bard's kids are in the book. His daughters. It's been a long time since I read The Hobbit. But anyway, The Hobbit was just so male centric that it pissed me off. I mean, I got like literally pissed off. So I wrote three, perhaps five stories. <laughs> Where Bilbo was a girl. 
what I did. And I got grief for it. Um, including that argument is if you're not comfortable writing Slash. I think this is someone who's never actually read my work because I think I would be well known for being comfortable with writing Slash. Despite my recent yeah, that, experience. That, that's a really bizarre conclusion for somebody to draw. The thing is, um, there was a time when I was adamantly against changing a male character into a female character. Um, and um, so I acknowledge that. I, I used to have a real problem with it. There are only a few gender-bender stories in Stargate that I'll even read um, where um, Rodney is Meredith. And, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, well, it could be because I have a big, huge crush on David Hewlett, but <laughs> that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I tend, I tend to not like gender-bending. I, I tend to not like gender-bending fix myself. Um, mm-hmm. But there have been times when I've gone, oh, you know, and usually it's that an author that I trust to take me down that path. I will open myself up to reading it, and I go, okay, that was that was interesting. I enjoyed that. I didn't expect to, but then conversely, there's many that I don't don't enjoy. Um, but that's why we just need more female characters in general. We just need more, um, right? And not two dimensional, you know. I guess my, one of my problems with uh, with how a lot of the female characters I run into is that, you know. Badass does not mean cruel asshole. You know, I mean right. that's, a, that's one of my pet peeves is when, you know, somebody makes takes a woman character and that in order to make them strong, they have to make them not a woman effectively, and that's just two dimensional. And it 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 you know, as a reader, I don't like that, and as a writer, I don't want to do that to myself. I mean, people need to write what they want to write. Yeah, it's lazy. Um, but you know, it's the same argument where. Um, Writers are not particularly comfortable writing a slash pairing, but they do, and they turn the bottom, of which they definitely have someone who is just a bottom, um, into a woman. Basically, it's a girl with a dick. Mm-hmm. They make the bottom really character. The Sentinel was the worst. They oh, make the bottom horrible. character. And that's that's so insulting to me as a woman because what you're saying is is if you're taking dick into your body, you're weak and you cry a lot and you whine and you complain. No, motherfucker, I don't. And I complain. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a complainer. But I, but I like to call it bitching, and I'm a professional at that. Anyway, I don't think I've ever <clears throat> written. I don't think I've ever written because I've written I've written a, like a long time ago a little bit ahead, and maybe not more than sixty seventy thousand words. And I've written and I've written stuff that's not been published that is head. And I've never actually written in a head in a head relationship with a woman, the bottom effectively. She's definitely the dominant partner. And whenever I write women characters, <laughs> so this whole notion of well. You know, because you take it, you have to be, you know, succumb to the vapors on demand. It's just, I just can't cope. Right. If I had to read one more story where Blair Sandberg bursts into tears, (laughs) I was going to kill somebody. 
Oh, God, it was, you know, the tears thing. I actually said, you know, when we were talking about that, there was that thread about, do you need to warn? I kind of made that joke about, you know, you need to warn me if, if Voldemort's going to cry. Um, that's no fucking joke, man. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I just can't, you know, like, emo and insecure, you know, Dark Lords don't work for me, but I also just don't like it in general. I don't want any of my characters just busting out in tears all the time. Um, you got for for me. You got to you got to work for it as an author if you want me to buy into it. But especially with someone like Blair, who, you know, he he was because he was you know in touch with his feelings on stuff, and he was uh, it kind of that kind of had that whole Zen thing going on. Apparently, uh-huh. that made him you know a woman from the 1800s who was prone to crying and fainting and couldn't deal with life. It just that just doesn't work. <laughs> It's so terrible. It's so terrible. I, you know, here's the thing. Um, I grew up in the South, and um, I um, have a lot of male cousins and uncles. And um, I'll tell you something about men in general, especially in my family, especially in the South. There are two reasons a man from the South cries. His mama died or his dog died. And that is pretty much it. Otherwise, they got that epic, I'm going to be strong and be in control and take care of everybody else thing going on. And so that's what I grew up with. So if I see a man crying, I assume their dog or their mother is dead. Because <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the only reason men in my family cry. <laughs> Just well, that I, lived there. Texas. I lived in Texas. I lived in, I lived in Georgia and Texas. That's where I grew up. Um, is outside a little town outside of Atlanta and then a little town outside of Dallas. And um, in Texas, you have to add one more, and that's if something happens to your pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. But only if it's not fixable. <laughs> <laughs> if it can't be fixed, <laughs> I, I buy that. But, you know, it's just, I don't, I, I've known my husband for 22 years, and he has never once shed a tear in my presence. Not once. We had to put, um, we lost a dog. And um, he wouldn't even be in the same room with me. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> he was in his uh, my, his room, I was in my room. We didn't discuss it. <laughs> you know, but, so, you know, no. So, I'm not used to seeing that. So, when I see it, it, it just, it, as a reader, it really... I just don't want to see it. I just don't. I just don't want to see it. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, just... my... Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that as my as my act of rebellion around this, it's not really an act of rebellion because I had, um, for, for rough trade in April for the, what do we call it? Spring training. I was like, what is that called? Mm-hmm. It's not boot camp. So for spring training, mm-hmm. and it, this winds up being a little bit of spring training for me, um, is I had two, um, for the historical, I had two um, Hobbit plot bunnies. And both of them were pretty well fleshed out. Um, but one of them was Het. And um, it was one I wasn't going to go with. And then I had this whole thing, and I was really thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I just need to... I really like both of these ideas anyway, so I'm just going to write the het one. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to write a female character the way I like to see them, and um, 
start to exercise some of this influence from 16, 17 years ago out of my head. Mm. I may even come up with an OC. Hmm. Hmm. See? You could have fun. I didn't write write female OCs. OCs either. Yeah. I write a lot of OCs because I do it professionally and I can't actually steal people's characters when I when I, when I get paid to do it. Um, so um, I don't have a problem developing a female character. I do it all the time. But for some reason, I avoided it in fandom until, I guess, um, The Hobbit. Because even, I mean, even Anne and, um, oh my God, I forgot her name. Allison. Anne and Allison, they're actually canon characters. They exist in Stargate. Um, so it isn't like I've David's well, girlfriend didn't, and Elizabeth Lannister off scene. But you didn't but, invent the characters, but I would argue that in order to make them real, you almost had to OC them because I don't recall them either. We didn't get a lot of them fleshed though. out. Yeah. No, we I mean, no. All we got just, was that one episode where John and um, Carson thought it was cute to be on an off world on, on team with an off world. Oh, y'all give me her. That's that whole fucking episode. How could John send a team through the fucking Stargate and not know who was on it? I'm just. Something. It was like so cute just... when they found out they were on a planet with four women, wasn't it? Yeah. Something just to cut from <clears> them, <throat> or deal with them. <laughs> you just can't pretend like they didn't exist. You have to excise it. Say that didn't happen. Oh, Josh, you're right. Tamara is an OC. Tamara, oh, actually, you know, yes, yes, there are OCs in Tangled Destinies. Um, there's uh, Tassar um, and Tamara. Um, yeah, the rest of them are probably canon. And okay, there are the girls that go to high school with uh, Spock and Kirk. So yeah, there are a few girls that are um, OCs you girls in Tangled in- Destinies. You have female OCs, as I recall, in the unspeakable plot too. At least two. yes, I do. Actually, I do, but that's not technically published. Well, yeah, but you know, I'm getting there. I'm actually very fond of my female character in um, the unspeakable plot. I'm very fond of her. I uh, <clears throat> I liked having that relationship with Zale, and um, I forget her name. Isn't that terrible when you forget your own character's name? It's been a while. No, I do it all Isabel? the time. Isabel? Maybe? Isabel. Yeah, you had a character named Isabel. Isabel. Isabel, and uh, what I like about their their relationship is that there's no sexual component, and they're just very, um, um, they have that whole soulmate thing going on, but there's no romance, there's no sex, there's no, you know, I, don't know, I just kind of like that like that a lot. Uh, <clears throat> but having a central female character, um, major female character, no, no, Jack, no. No, I said no. I said no. Don't don't complain like I hurt you. <laughs> don't complain like I hurt you. Um, <clears throat> I don't have spoiled. central male OCs either. I don't, in, in fan fiction, I, I guess I don't ever put OCs up front, anything other than a secondary character. Um, I thought about it once. No, no, because when you write about, when, when you're in fandom, you're trying to explore characters that, and that's usually your main focus is a character that's pretty central to canon, you know, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. 
but you could have you know there's the even with even within my own dynamic of how I see fandom, I could write like okay, so I tend to be character focused rather than ship focused typically not there's a few exceptions, but so I typically zero in on a character that I really like, and then I don't almost care who they're with as long as you can sell me on it mm-hmm. um so for for let's so, so for say let's say for NCIS it's Tony. So there's no reason mm-hmm. I couldn't write him with an OC and explore a good OC in a story with him. Um, but to Except have like the backlash you would get. Well, <laughs> yes, it would be epic. It would be epic. The hate mail. <laughs> it would I mean, be people, so epic. People write me to tell me that I misplaced an apostrophe. I can't imagine what they would do if I put Tony with an OC. No, right? Like, fuck you and your apostrophe. I don't actually care. I don't actually care. There is an OC female character in Harry Potter and his soulmate Bond, and that's Draco's little sister. But again, she's not central. She only has one scene so far. The biggest actually female OC in um, Harry Potter and the soulmate Bond would be Rowena, which is Harry's snake. <laughs> But writing um, Hermione as a uh, major character um, kind of opened me up as a writer um, in a way that I hadn't really explored in, in, in fan fiction because I was um, doing scenes from a female point of view, um, which I hadn't done in a long time, especially in fandom. Um, and I also started to professionally to to write more from a male point of view than I did the female point of view. And um, it was pointed out to me. And I was like, well, look look what I was doing. Because I have actually been accused professionally of of being a man who writes under a, a, a woman's name. <clears throat> There's no happy place to be in as a writer because it doesn't matter how you come across or what you write, the people who want you to be different are going to say something. Um, if you yeah. were writing like, you know, because if you were writing... Um, gay erotica with too much of a woman point of view, you'd hear about that too. And too yeah, much, I mean, absolutely. that's that, that, that's that's a, I mean, that, that that's a little bit of a judgment phrase, but, you know, that's from the perspective of the reader. It's, you know, like, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to be right for some people. And that's, I think that it's interesting how our voices, even without our consent to some degree, get shaped by prevailing public opinion. And I actually kind of, you know, alluded to that a little bit, and not alluded, I actually flat out talked about this, um, political science um, theory called the the um, spiral of silence, um, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, basically the, the, uh, the voice that's contrary to the popular opinion eventually is sort of in a way shamed into being quiet. And we, I think we see that a lot um, to varying degrees in fandom is that people, they internalize, even if it's not said to you, you see it said to others and you internalize it. And it it starts to, you know, and it really it it was really upsetting for me and I really had kind of a little bit of a like writing meltdown around the fact how much I had internalized stuff that I didn't consciously agree with and let it affect mm-hmm. the way I write. Mm-hmm. And think. And think. Cuz it cuz it yeah. shapes you. Yeah, it 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 definitely shapes you and, and moves you into a place that you wouldn't have consciously gone. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna. Okay. 
I um, communicate with somebody um, mostly through email um, as Kira, and um, they send me pictures and videos, and it's it's fun and it's cool. Um, and um, sometimes um, we have big discussions about how things are, you know, portrayed and moved around and um, in, in, in fan fiction and in stories that I write. I... Um, It is stunning when you encounter a woman so deeply entrenched in rape culture that they actually ask. I don't want to reveal the details because it's not my place to do so. Really, it's, it's just it was not a public conversation that we had. Um, it kind of boils down to this: is like we were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Of course, we were because that's like the biggest thing. And um, I had a discussion with uh, somebody else offline, and they were talking about um, if she knew he was like that, the way he was, then wasn't her. What then? Then what? Then was she knew in the beginning what he was? Okay. She knew what he was capable of. He told her. So is it her fault that she ended up in the situation she ended up in? And that's rape culture. They're blaming the victim. And Anastasia Steele is a victim. He abuses her and he rapes her. And he stalks her. And she keeps coming back over and over and over again. And the question was, is that basically um, she brought it on herself. So she's not a victim. That 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 was what was said to me, and in fandom, we develop this herd mentality, and we develop these opinions, and they kind of come together. And I'm not comp- actually comparing it to right culture, but the, I'm, I'm I'm not explaining this well. It's, uh, um, I actually I put a I put a I think I I put a joke post up this week about a, about her behavior. Um, uh, there's a it's a kind of behavior that you see in packs called a lilomimetic behavior, which is the behaviors seen by one member of a of a pack will be emulated by others, and so on and so on and so on. And you know, and my my joke was that in other words, the crazy is contagious. Um, but it's 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 a it's a profound truth that this happens. I mean, the herd behavior is a very real thing. And, you know, which is why, you know, I like min- the minion culture for me is good because the herd um, doesn't doesn't uh, engage in a lot of the, the troubling, the, the troubling behaviors we see in fandoms where, you know, like, People will go after an author and shame them out of fandom or harass them out of fandom, and and you see two or three people doing it, and the next thing you know, four or five people are doing it. And hundred people are doing it. Yeah, and then and then <laughs> the next thing you know, somebody's gone. You know, and and that's just that's just it's just not acceptable. And that kind of I mean, we're, we're, and the reason why, and the word actually is used specifically to talk about animal behavior, because. Humans are, in theory, not supposed to be susceptible to stuff like that, but we really are, especially on the Internet. Yeah. Capricious says something in the chat room that I want to talk about. She says, no, because she knew what he was doesn't mean she really understood the lifestyle and what he was going to do to her. Even if she did understand, 
even if she was thoroughly educated on the subject of the BDSM lifestyle and he told her what he was going to do, the moment he ignored her safe word and the moment he told her to stop struggling or I'll tie you up and stop saying no or I'll gag you, she became his victim. End of. Because no means no, and it always does. A hooker can say no. Anyway, <clears throat> and that's what that discussion became about, um, is that does knowledge of a situation mean that you're not a victim if it, if something goes the way you don't want it to go? And the fact of the matter is, is that, no, it doesn't. You're still a victim. Jack, no. No. Oh, God, he's so annoying. Anyways, <clears throat> in some states, um, actually, that's not illegal. Um, she says a wife or a husband can say no and it would be rape. Um, morally, yes. Legally, you'd be surprised at how many states say that that's not actually a crime. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Anyways. Cause wasn't there, wasn't there I'm, I may be pulling something out of the wrong context, wasn't there a case of a... Uh, he may have actually gotten in trouble for this, though. But the question was, was it against the law? Was some public official who was having um, sex with his wife while she was in a coma? Yeah, I'm, that's that's very familiar. Either that or she had suffered traumatic brain injury and was hospitalized or something like that. Anyway, it was just appalling because there was this, you know, it seems like, you know, on the surface, like, that should just be wrong. You know, do we have to have a discussion about this? And yet we were having a discussion about it, and there were two points of view. And as much as I try to be tolerant of different points of view and let people, I just couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand in this day and age why this has to be a discussion. Um, But we're in the same place with, you know, with rape culture, too. It's like, why do we have to keep having this discussion? It should seem like this, this should be... Um, I mean, this feels like we should be, like, having, you know, do we have to draft language like the Declaration of, of Independence where we hold these truths to be self-evident? Because that's what they should be. They should be. You know, that's the thing about rights. They shouldn't be debated. <laughs> they should just be there. They should just, they're rights. You shouldn't have to have a discussion about them. They should just be there. I um, had an uncle who... Uh, him and his wife were having an argument, and I I was I was in my early twenties, um, maybe middle twenties, because I think I was dating my husband at the time, and um, we we're all at a forced family event. But by forced, I mean I was told I had to go to this stupid thing, so I brought my my soon to be husband, hoping that it would get me thrown out sooner rather than later, but it didn't. Um. Anyways. <clears throat> Um, my uncle and my aunt were having an argument because he tried to have sex with her while she was asleep. And she woke up in the middle of this um, maneuver he was trying to do and got really, really irritated with him, and I don't blame her. 
I, I would have knocked his fucking block off. Um, and he did have a fat lip, so I think she might have punched him. I don't know. <laughs> and um, he was saying that she was his wife, and um, he should have um, that kind of access 24-7. And so my soon-to-be husband says, I absolutely agree. And I look at him, and I think, I'm about to break up with this motherfucker, and that's so bad because the sex is great, but he's a creep. What is, what is this? And he said, so she would have the same access to you while you're asleep. And my uncle got a little wide-eyed. And my uncle's like, well, I said, he said, so if she suddenly got the desire to stick a dildo up your ass, that would be fine because she would have the same access to your body that you have to hers. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to marry this man. <laughs> and my uncle was like, no. And I'm like, I think so. And, my, and his wife goes, you know what? That's a great idea. I said, I know a store where you can buy a dildo. She says, I've got one. I don't need to buy one. <laughs> and that is the last time that discussion ever happened in their relationship, as far as I know. Um. So, yeah. That's, yeah. There was that politician that said it should be perfectly legal for a man to have sex with his wife while she was unconscious. I wonder if he would feel that way. Or actually, no, it, it wasn't wife. It it was um, that he doesn't think that having sex with an unconscious woman should be considered rape. I wonder oh, how yeah. he would feel if he was the one that was unconscious. Yeah, that that particular that probably is I find one of the ugliest in rape culture. One of the ugliest opinions is it well it's not rape if she didn't say no. Well, she was unconscious. Well, so she still didn't say no. The whole it's okay because she's unconscious thing which then leads to the next logical conclusion for predators. It's like, "Oh, well, it's not rape if I drug her." Right. You didn't say no. She couldn't say no. She didn't say no. So since she didn't say no, that must be all mine. Ugh. Mm. So yeah, I don't mean to be a male basher right now. That's not what I'm talking about. But um, the culture that we see in popular, in politics and in news, it translates, it transfers into fandom in terrible ways. That herd mentality, the mob effect, like Julie said, where one person finds something offensive, so their friends come find it offensive, and then their friends come find it offensive, and then the next thing you know, you've got an author deleting all their crap and leaving the fandom because they've been hounded out by a group of people who didn't like that they made Tony a Navy SEAL. Because that happened. Yeah. <clears throat> or that's Blair. That's on. That's that's the reason why I've only written one um, one completed um, straight Sentinel story is because I got so much backlash for writing Blair um, as an equal to Jim. Because how um how how dare I do that? Because didn't I know Blair was supposed to be weak and cry and a wimp and um, an academic who uh, needed Jim's protection? 
Because apparently, even in gay um, stories, the bottom has to validate the top. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's a group expectations in a funny in in a way are more well, maybe not in a way, in a, in a very real way, are, are a very very they're a lot more insidious than an individual expectation. Because when you have um one or two people writing you and bitching you about at you about, you know, female Bilbo or writing Blair as a equal to Jim you just, I mean, I don't know, for me, when I get one or two people, it's kind of like, you know, you roll your eyes and, you you know, sometimes I get annoyed and sometimes I um, turn them into house elves and sometimes I just ignore it. Um, but when you have an entire segment of fandom with their own reality and they're trying to force their reality down your throat, that's really hard uh, to, to deal with. And for especially, you know, I... I've been writing for a long time. I've been writing for, well, I started writing, you know, fiction when I was just a kid, but uh, I've been writing for professionally in some capacity as a technical writer or doing documentation for things or writing articles and stuff for like 22 years, 24 years, Mm -hmm. something like that. So to some degree I'm used to a certain degree of criticism, Um, but I just, it, you know, I ache for the novice writers who are putting their stuff out there and, you know, that is a step off of what the mainstream wants and gets a herd that descends on them and tells them that they're doing it wrong. Yeah. And what the fuck is the point of being just like everybody else? It's not very fun. Well, they're saying this lady who wrote the... um the Tony Navy SEAL NCIS fic actually got hounded out of fandom. She deleted everything and she left the internet. This makes me want to stab people. Mm-hmm. She tried. I don't care if it was great or well written or it was bad and badly written, if it was Mary Sue. She tried. She put herself out there. And how fucking dare you people do this to her? How dare you? And the thing is, she tried to do an interim step. She tried to back off to her own website that was password. Mm-hmm. You had to join and have get a password. And they chased her down onto her website and still harassed her. And she took that down, too. Well, if she's out there, if she's listening, or if you know her and you can contact her, you can tell her I will host her on my site and let somebody come at me. I don't care if there are a hundred of them. My minion hoard's a little bit bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do get um, individuals, but I've never actually gotten the herd. And I think it's because by the time I got big enough to attract that kind of herd mentality, I already had my own. And that's how my minions actually got a name. Because this one woman emailed me and told me I was terrible and I was going to hell because of the BDSM I was writing. And she said that she um, didn't want to tell the world how terrible I am because I would sick my minions on her. So, of course, I immediately renamed all my fans minions. 
<laughs> I made a minion headquarters. I gave them a chat room. I gave them a Facebook group. I went all out. Come be my minion because of her. <clears throat> well, I I have to admit <clears throat> that I've started liberally threatening people with Senna. So <laughs> <laughs> I will stick Senna on you. You I called her on my on my website. Her. On my website, I call her my uh, I call her. I said my internet spouse is my hit minion. It's a hit minion troll. You do not want to mess with me. <laughs> so, but yeah. So by the time I actually could have encountered that kind of situation, I already kind of had my own herd. So they weren't going to you know pick a fight, but. Um, I guess it could still happen. The 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 real thing is is that um, no, I said no, Jack, get down. Um, the real thing is is that I don't. My um, oh, I'm glad, Lady Horace, that, that that she's been sheltered by me. I'm glad. I am. I will be an umbrella for everybody. You let me know, bitches. Just let me know. I'll be your umbrella. Anyways, um. <clears throat> But I'm not sharing mine because it's cute. It's really cute. Uh, I uh, I don't get my validation from my website or my Facebook group or my Facebook or my Twitter or um, I just don't get my validation there. So I don't invest myself too much in the negative crap that I get. But those who do, those who seek out that validation in fandom are the ones that get hurt the worst. Yeah. When it turns on them, because it eventually will. And, you know, I think that, I think that you know, for some people at some times in their life, having that, getting that validation has been really um, a powerful thing for them. But like you mm-hmm. said, they're unprepared for when it turns on them. And it always does. Mm-hmm. Always. always. I'm not saying that people who are my fans now will be my enemies tomorrow. But what I'm telling you is, is that there will be a snake in your garden. And they will bite you, given the opportunity. Well, and they will sometimes bite you thinking they're doing somebody else a favor or, um, you know... They come across with the best of. They, they make it sound like they've got good motives, which actually mm, is the one that I, I hate those get, people. I I hate the good, the well-meaning people, of like you know, um, well, like you know, you know that uh, I got poked by several people about. Um, I inadvertently used the same first name for a character that you did in the same occupation, and mm-hmm. I got poked about stealing your OCs. The thing and, is, is um, actually, people, I have a whole page on my permissions. That you can't steal my OCs because I gave them to you. And, you know, actually, what, actually, it, it actually is my intention that the next time I write Harry Potter, I'm going to, like, saturate it with your OCs just because. You go right ahead, girl. <laughs> you dig right in. But in this case, it was actually an accident that there was no similarity between them other than occupation and first name. And... um some people actually liked it. I got some people saying, oh, I love that you're using Kira's OCs. And at first I was like, what? Um, 
but then some people were really some people were really offended on your behalf, and you know I just was like, and I you know part of me is like, um, okay, uh, they think that they're out here defending Kira against the internet in some way, so they got good intentions, but I don't know how to respond to this. So, um, no, you know, I'm sorry, but which said, character was it? Uh, I forget. Castius in your in it's an unspeakable plot. It was Castius. I don't remember what his last name is in your story. Arno, I think is his last name in your uh-huh. story, um, which is yeah. not the last name of the character in my story. Anyway, um, so I uh, I finally said um, to the to the last person who pinged me is I finally said, um, please feel free to take this to Kira. <laughs> I never heard anything again. Um, but, but no, you, know, you can tell I have all my characters. I don't give a shit. I don't. I think that when you're uh, when you're writing in fandom, you have absolutely no room whatsoever to say someone can't use your OCs or to use your plots or to use what you're writing because you're already playing in somebody else's sandbox. That's like going next door to your neighbor and kicking your neighbor out of their sandbox. No. <laughs> That's not how that works, really, people. It really is not. But I've had people come back to me and say they accidentally used one of my OCs because they didn't know it was an OC. They didn't credit me. And and this most often happens with Matt Shepard, who is not a canon character in Stargate, and people don't seem to realize that. Um, And he gets put into people's stories, and then they get crap for not crediting me for using one of my major OCs that they didn't actually know he wasn't an OC. I mean, they didn't realize he wasn't part of canon. So, <clears throat> yeah. But I don't care. I don't care at all. I do care about Matt, but that's something separate. Yeah. That is a, well, that's it, a different it, issue it, altogether. People, people will... For whatever reason, whether they think they're doing it for a good reason or or they're just being an asshat and they like to troll people, whatever the reason, people will poke with varying degrees of sharpness. And um, for, I think one of the reasons why I wrote what I wrote this week was because I, you know, I'm talking I, in a way I was talking to the me of like um, 17 years ago when I first got into fandom is you know you mm-hmm. need to know what your own voice is and and you can't let this kind of crap just kind of bury you um or drive you away from something you love i mean we've had we've had we have there are minions who have been you know harassed painfully out of what they wanted to write right um and that's just that's just not it's just not okay that's no, just it's not, not okay it's not okay um but it happens in fandom because um Fandom is full of people, and people aren't perfect, and they um, develop a uh, a headcanon, so to speak, a group headcanon, which is like, you know, Blair's basically a girl. Um, Tony's inept. And he's really not. Even in canon, Tony is not a fuck-up. He acts like an asshole, but he's not actually a fuck-up. But God forbid you write him competent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you actually got some backlash in the NCIS fandom recently, that whole um, 
uh, episode thing. Watch, watch it. Oh, the, the one with Tony the, and the Ziva. Whole, the whole yeah. stupid dead air thing. Yeah, because, I mean, there was this yeah. canon event, the, this event in canon that happened. And the thing is, that NCIS is like a lot of shows. They're not unique in this respect regard, is that they are the characters wildly contradictory to themselves. And in some ways, NCIS, they're getting better right now, and I'm actually starting to get reengaged in the show, but um, the characters became more caricature than character. It's like they picked up the mm-hmm. worst traits of them and just amplified them to an absurd degree. you know. And they did this especially with um, Abby and Tony. It's like, take the worst thing about them and we'll amp it up, and then we'll have an episode come along where it just throws that out the window and you see a completely different side to them with no explanation of why, you know, especially with Tony, why he suddenly is got his head down and he's serious and he's, you know, different. You know, because he has uh-huh. these episodes where he is a completely different person. And so, as a, as a you know, as a writer who's exploring his character, you have to decide how you're going to handle how he's portrayed in canon and how you're going to explain that. But anyway, anything in canon is up for fair game for a writer. And there's this canon event in NCIS where McGee and Ziva got tired of listening to Tony out taking voice prints looking for a domestic terrorist cell, and so they turned the volume down, stop listening. This is a, so. This is what's happening. Tony is looking for a terrorist, and he's film. He's taping his conversations with these people while he's basically undercover looking for a terrorist. And Ziva and Tim stop listening to him while he's in the field for this several is hours. A crime for hours. This is this is a crime, and it's a joke. And they make a joke out of it, and they never address it in the show. So in fandom, the fandom lost its mind about this, you know, because it was so egregiously bad writing choices. And then people got tired of people being mad about this episode. Um, and so you wind up with this really kind of divisiveness going on in fandom. It's like, I'm sick of, de- sick of hearing about dead air which is the name of the episode, and the people who just really can't like, get past it. Well, for me... If I'm going to deal with, you know, it's like you're talking about that thing with John and, and not knowing who he's on the planet, but if, if it exists in canon, to some degree I have to either excise it from canon in my own thought process and in my story outline, or I have to deal with it if it's going to take place after that. So if I set a story after season eight, the early part of season eight, I can't, for me, I cannot not have some resolution, at least in Tony's head, around dead air. So it has to come up. Either that or have right. to pretend that episode didn't happen, and then I will put a note: "Dead air didn't happen in my universe," because it's just too yucky. It's just too because it just it shatters to me. It shatters the trust on the team, so it just completely altered the dynamic of the show. So it's terrible. I start getting, it's, it's terrible. Why are getting these email about why didn't you warn this was a dead air fic for the journey home? Uh, it's not. <laughs> Which was one of my, you know, one of my points is actually it's just because I deal with the events of Dead Air. This is not like an episode tag. Journey Home is not an episode tag to Dead Air. Um, and actually, the 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 path that Tony winds up on would be less angsty without the events of Dead Air, but they would still happen. So I fail to see your point. And but besides, you were, who were you to, berated for not warning. I was berated for right? not warning that I was dealing with Dead Air because he wouldn't have read one of those. 
I don't read those fix. Did you tell him to kiss my ass? Because you could have... <laughs> I never rant. I just it's ranting is not something I typically do. Um I usually get by the time I get to the point that I'm mad enough to rant, I just tell someone, fuck off and leave me alone. Um but uh yeah, I, I got I got upset enough to rant about <laughs> that last chastisement. Now this person actually told you that it wasn't canon, that their actions weren't canon? No, I had been poked um, several times on that story, um, telling me that I characterized Tim and Ziva badly because they wouldn't do that. Except they did do it. Right. So to me that was more, I kind of laughed at that, and I took a perverse amount of joy in in, in sending them um, the link to the episode and even, you know, Exactly. I even sent them exactly where in the episode, it, like what what minute marker, if they have the episode, they can go find where that event took place. And I took perverse delight in bursting their bubble about <laughs> would Ziva and Tim have done that. Um, so I was getting that, um, and I've gotten that. I got that on Journey even um, even during Rough Trade was that uh, when I was first posting it, was that Ziva and Tim wouldn't do that. Uh, so anyway, so I mean, I, I kind of have gotten used to that as like people who, uh, but I'm not, I wasn't surprised to some degree because a lot of people became dis- disenfranchised with NCIS um, in season season four or five time, time frame and they stopped watching. So they're familiar with the show, they like the characters, but they just stopped watching and they don't know canon. So I was kind of expecting that. But so after, so I got Journey up in a week um, it took me one week to get the the whole thing posted, and so I'm getting poked all week long about Zim. And, you know, this is a this is a great um, story, but Tim and Diva wouldn't do that, and I'm ignoring it. And then the day that I just lost my shit was when the guy wrote me and said, "You should have warned that this was a dead air fic, or I wouldn't have gotten started and read it." And I was like, "That's it." It really <laughs> isn't. It just it's just it's I, you know what? Here's my thing. It's like trying to ignore that Duranda happened. If you're a Stargate fan, you know what I'm talking about. You cannot yep. ignore Duranda if Trinity is what it's called, right? The Trinity episode. You cannot ignore that event if you write in Stargate unless you make it not happen. You cannot ignore it. So you can't ignore Dead Air if you're writing in NCIS. It is a part of canon, and you don't have to warn for canon. If you have to warn for canon, the person reading your fucking fic isn't actually watching the canon, then they don't fucking deserve to know. I'm just... It just... It really irritates me. It really irritates me a lot. Please warn us that you're going to use the show. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, no, right? Why this is fan fiction? <laughs> Isn't that the point to use the show? I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Some some events you just have to deal with. Some events you just have to deal with. Or you know, make them not happen. Or make them not happen. <clears throat> set them before. I mean, that's how I dealt with the. Uh, actually, when I was determining where to set emergence in the timeline for NCIS, I actually made the decision mm-hmm. because of dead air. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to deal with it in emergence. And um, 
So I had to set it before those events. So I there's some things that happen that are pivotal in a show, um, to how you perceive the show and how you perceive the characters, and you have to. Um, it's kind of like to, not warning for Scott getting bitten by a werewolf. Oh come on! Teen not wolf. really. I mean, I mean that's how obvious it would be to me. I don't if I'm if I'm reading an NCIS fic, which I don't do often, by the way. Um, set any time after season eight. I fully expect there to be something about dead air in it. Because Canon ignored it, but any responsible writer wouldn't. You just can't. Because they could have gotten Tony killed. Which is the most common theme in the dead air tag fix, which is I think why people got so fed up with them, um, is... uh, is because of um, Tony. They're they're all consequences fix. Like what would have happened? Not all of them, but there's a big segment of the dead air tags that are what would have happened if Tony had run into somebody bad, or if he had, you know, made the terrorists suspicious, or whatever, and he gets hurt. And right. I think there's even a couple of really sad ones where he actually gets killed. Mm-hmm. There's one that's just gut wrenching where he dies. Um, and it's all it's recorded, because, but they don't hear it because they have it turned down. Right, because they turn the I volume off. I think I read that one. Yeah. And that's a big part of the... It's a, it's a short story, but the big part of it is um, hearing Tony's last minutes. And, uh, I you know, that's like... You write fix like that to kind of, you know, exercise the demon in a way. <laughs> yeah. Man, I only needed that demon exercise once. Now, I don't, as a rule, read Duranda Consequence Fix, um, but if it comes up in a story that somebody's writing, I don't begrudge it because it's a canon event. It happens. It's stupid for you to assume that a writer is going to warn for that sort of canon event. If somebody dies in canon, you can't expect them to warn you for their death. You already know what happened. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> just, it's just, it's, it's infuriating. This is the kind well, of yeah. thing that happens in fandom, you know. <clears throat> you you see that in um in uh, CSI Miami fandom. Um, it's like they want you to warn if Speed is really dead. Really? Of course he's really <laughs> dead. He died right there in the fucking episode. Yes, he was shot. It's over with. <laughs> I mean, you might have He's to... He's really dead. <laughs> we see his body on the goddamn autopsy table. This is not something that's up for discussion. <laughs> but some 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 of these views in fandom are so pervasive that people will herd together, they make a make a mob and attack a writer who doesn't do it the way they want to do it. They want him to do right. it, you know. Um, you know, Emergence is written, and I've just started po- posting it this last, uh, mm-hmm. three days ago, I just started posting it, and I'm already getting the, you know, the emails of, I hope you, uh, please pair so-and-so with so-and-so, or this would be great if you put these characters together, or please tell me you're going to have Speed be alive, you know, blah, 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 
And I'm like, dude, this is written. It is. It's a done deal. Hush. <laughs> Did you put it There's, in your author notes? Um, you know, I, I didn't I think would. to put that because I put the number of chapters the story had, and usually you only put the number of chapters the story has if you're done with it. It's how I always interpret when someone knows what their chapter count is. But maybe I'm giving. I would put an author note saying, "Shut the fuck up. The story <laughs> is done. I don't need or want your plot advice." But that's pretty much for me across the board. Just to let you know, I don't need or want your plot advice. The only person who gets to, actually there are two, who get to fuck with my plots are Lady Holder and Chris. Now, if there's something you'd like me, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> don't don't open that door. I, I won't do that to them. <laughs> but they are the only ones that have any hope of influencing something that I write, just to let you know. And um, the first one of you bitches to email Lady Holder and ask her to ask me to do something, you're probably going to get cussed out. I'm just going to let you know that. <laughs> by at least two people. <laughs> by at least two people. Hmm. So this is horrible. This is a horrible thing to do. Um, but I'm really thinking about doing it, and I might, I might, I might even be trying to talk you into doing it because you'd have, that'd be so much more funny. Um, as I thought about um, putting up for April Fool's Day, which is unfortunately the first day of spring training, so it's a little bit bad timing. Putting up a like a post and asking the minions to troll it with everything you shouldn't do to an author. All the things that you've seen or heard or said or everything that's yuck, and let's put it on this post. <laughs> we can then point people to it and say, if you are doing any of these things, shut the fuck up. You're an asshole. You might be an asshole. Yes, you might be an asshole. If you have said, please read the comment <laughs> section. <laughs> it's just... Sometimes I mean, you know what we should do do one from a from a reader's point of view too because I was um, bored and what happens when I'm bored is I inevitably end up on um, fanfiction.net and um, if I see one more writer hold their fic hostage for reviews I'm going to start trolling these bitches. That is so annoying. Well, and who was it? Who was it? Somebody posted in Minion HQ this week that they had left positive feedback for somebody. It said, "Great first chapter, looking to see where it's going," or something along that line. And the author wrote them back and said, "If you can't leave decent feedback, don't bother." I know, right? And I said I would have taken that as license to give them a full, full on critique, critique of their work because. As I said, and I have often, and I do believe this, some bitches don't learn a lesson unless you make them cry. I would rather hear good job than I would do this. In fact, anytime you start a sentence with I would do in a piece of feedback you're giving, you are about to be an asshole. <laughs> It's like starting a sentence with, I don't mean to be offensive, 
Fuck you. That is exactly what you mean to be. I don't mean to be a racist, but... Really? Mary Sue's. I have never heard... I had never heard the term Mary Sue until I um, joined fandom. I had never heard this term before. I was like, what does this mean? I had to go look it up. Fanlore.com. I had to go look it up. What the fuck is a Mary Sue? Because I had no idea. I was in the same boat when I joined fandom. I was like, what's a Mary Sue? And then I found where the definition of it, and I went, oh, I've been reading Mary Sue's for years. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) But Biggest Mary Sue I ever read. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to... um, I got a couple times. I got uh, pinged on emergence that I was Mary suing Tony, and I needed to stop, dial it back. You tell him to kiss your ass. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, no. <laughs> but and fuck my, you. Emergence is my magnum opus to Tony. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do. Suck it up, bitches. Suck it up. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's it's difficult when when you have a Mary Sue that's a canon character. Um, it's uh, Potter. I'm just kidding. No, not really. <laughs> well, in a way, in a way, Bella Swan, and especially. And who? Yes, yes. Bella. Yeah, um, exactly. Who's that chicken Hunger Games? The one with the awesome Katniss, archer skills and volunteers. Katniss, Katniss, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we have, I mean, sure. we have them in canon characters, and, you know, some and, and people often are very divided about those characters that are just su- too superstar to be real. Um, some people love them, and some people just get like, oh, I'm just so tired of blah. But whatever, whatever you're, but when you do it with an OC, um, oh, yeah. It's almost like you can just like feel like the 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 fandom horde kind of go ooh, uh. <laughs> and then they they they, they make know, their little right? troll they make their little troll noise and then they go and you know start typing and you said something about um, being a badass doesn't equal being an asshole. I am reading a fic where after the events of The Hobbit um, and the Durin survive, Bilbo returns to the Shire. And I'm not going to tell you the details because you need to be able to find it because it's actually pretty unique in the fandom. Um, But the next time him and Thorin meet up, despite the fact that Bilbo has forgiven, because of what has happened to Bilbo in between that forgiveness and their new meeting, Bilbo is a complete and total asshole to Thorin. And I had to stop reading the fic because I'm thinking to myself, your circumstances have changed, but you forgave him and you recognized that he was crazy when that shit went down. So your asshole behavior is completely and totally out of line. And I was like, I don't... 
But the author equates being a badass with being an asshole. Apparently. <clears throat> and that, and you see that a, a lot of times when I see and I, the Hobbit fandom is pretty... Um, there's a lot of it in the Hobbit. It's pretty rife in there. With uh, when somebody somebody tags like Bamf Bilbo, that what they mean is complete and utter dick. I mean, Bilbo is pretty much a badass, no matter how you look at it. At canon, he's a badass. Um, he does his part. He he pulls his weight and then some. Yeah, I mean, and it, the 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 lifestyle. It wasn't like this was a lifestyle change for the dwarves, right? This is this is the right. life that they were pretty much accustomed to. But you take somebody like Bilbo, who th- this is completely the antithesis of everything his life has been about, and he goes toe to toe with them, step for step with them. This this guy is a badass, you know. There's just well, the same no... thing happens with Frodo. Now, yeah, Sam Frodo is a Sam's a laborer. I mean, you can tell there's a there's a class difference between Sam and Frodo. Um, and that class difference exists for Bilbo, too. Bilbo is a gentle hobbit. He's basically a lord of a manor. Bag End is the biggest small in Hobbiton. He has tenants. He has a he has a person who takes care of his garden for him. He has a gardener. He's a hobbit who has a gardener. This isn't someone who's digging around in the dirt himself. He loves his garden, yes, but he's also out there when they're planting it ham fast is. <laughs> Exactly. And now he's now he's chucking his ass across Middle Earth. He's not exactly equipped for this. So you're damn right he's a badass. <laughs> and he doesn't have to turn he into had, a prick to be badass. Exactly, exactly. He managed to wind his way all the way to Lake Count. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a scene in Spiritborn where... Um, Bella, this this, this isn't posted anywhere, um, where Bella Bella and Thorin have gone back in time, um, and they're married, and they're spirit-born, and they're trying to um, do this all over again, but do it better and and not get, you know, fucked up like they did last time. And um, Bella and Thorin are talking, and um, Bella has decided that Dwalin hates her, and uh, (laughs) she... She said, should I endeavor to make him like me again? And he was like, no, don't bother, because the first time around you managed to complain and whine all the way to Lake Town like for, like for six months, and he still liked you in the end. And she's like, that's not true. And he said, well, yeah, there was that whole week you were unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and I got so tickled I had to stop writing, because, you know, Bilbo does, yeah, yeah, Lady Holder, I haven't shown that to you yet. Um, that's actually Lady Holder's favorite work in progress, and, and now she's going to be mad at me because I haven't shown her that part yet. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> she's in chat going, I am mad. But no, I mean, <clears throat> Bilbo did complain basically for six months, and he still managed to, you know, stand off against um, uh the pale orc and he he riddled a dragon and he rode a barrel and <laughs> he, he doesn't need to be an asshole to accomplish all these things he already did it once when he was just a complainer <laughs> I know Jack I know yeah Bilbo is uh, um, I read you know and I, I, 
I blame Lucas for this, Starkindler for this, because um, Starkindler does highly competent, but still Bilbo, Bilbo. And mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just, I just, inter- I just interpret that as, you know, badass, badass Bilbo is the way that is. So I start looking for more badass Bilbo fix, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, who is this dick? <laughs> and right. And you know, and that fits I mean, dicks are small. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But who, who is this? He's, he's, he's cruel. And um, you know, and and I thought, well, this is just a one-off. And then I go to find another one. I'm like, oh, this is a, oh, um, no, apparently right. it's not a one-off. This is this is a theme, <laughs> right? Because apparently you can't be. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that is. We see that with we see that now. Bilbo is an interesting example in that we see that with Bilbo. Um, it's almost like. Um, we see that with Bilbo. We don't often see that with male characters, where in order for them to be a badass, they have to be a, a dickhead. But we see it with women characters all the time. That yeah. when you when you want to make a woman character a badass, she has to have you know she can't be empathetic, she can't be nurturing, she can't be. Which is one of the reasons why I liked Amanda in um, Tangled Destiny so much is because that was a badass mom. You know. Um, mm. She was. She didn't have to be uh, um, sacrifice anything about being a woman or being a mother to be complete. You know, the, she she was she was the complete package. She was not a two dimensional character, and that's why I liked her so much. Um, what I wanted to show in Tangled Destinies was that. Um, while Sarek appears to be the, the head of his household, um, that Amanda is his foundation. She is the foundation of everything he does. Um, and um, she is involved in the background in, in, in his work because uh, that's where she likes to be. She is invested emotionally and intellectually in in her son, and it's not just about being a mother. It's about um, showing her son um, how to be a good person. Because one of the first lines that, um, one of the first exchanges between Spock and Amanda in Tangled Destinies is when Spock reminds her that she told him not to base his friendship choices on aesthetics. <laughs> And that someone's appearance shouldn't be his first concern. And it's an indication of um, why I wanted that to show was that Amanda has been preparing Spock for a for a life off of Vulcan since he was a baby. She always knew his destiny was bigger than one planet. And she's been preparing him from the very beginning. And so it was just my way of saying, hey, you know, you think Sarek's in charge, but he really isn't. And not only is he not in charge, he really has no interest in being in charge. At home. And you <clears> portrayed <throat> that. You portrayed that beautifully. Um, I thought so, but I, I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was did. brilliant. And I mean, she's like it, I actually pointed somebody. Um, I was probably having a chat with somebody about um, badass women, and I pointed them actually Tangled Destinies and. 
um, they don't read Star Trek um, reboot. And I said, well, I don't either. Suck it up and read it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I pointed with that. I said, you know, this is, it's, it's painful to read, um, even when women canon characters are, are sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes are characterized in fan fiction. Um, but this is just, that's just an extension of what we see uh, on the actual shows. They're often two-dimensional. Um, but when, when you get to the OCs, especially people who want to write badass or BAM for you know what people might characterize as a strong female character... Um, you get a bitch. They, it, it is. It's, it, it's either bitchy or, um, you know, there's, you, they wind up in these archetypes that you know. So, if you were, if you were, you could, you could get a list of characteristics of a of a, of a fanfic a badass female character. Um, not nurturing, emotionless. She's bitchy. Doesn't doesn't cook. Is bitchy. Um, you know, it's just you basically take She's anything. She's bad with men. Bad with men, yes. Bad with men. bad with women too. Oh yeah. We, women don't no like friends. her because she's a badass, right? She's she's isolated. You know, how does this become um, our our ideal of what a strong woman is, or a um, you know, a strong woman is a, is a, a little bit of a broad term, but. Um, you can be strong and be and be authentically female. That you can't. Those two things can, co- things can coexist. That. Yeah. And so, whether it's a canon character or um, a a OC, you have the same exact characterization problem. It's just you're going to get smacked for the Mary Sue thing if you do an OC. But you're going to have the same problems of um, how, as as writers, how we look at female characters. So problem number one, and then how how the fan the fandom perceives female characters and their role in fandom. Come here, my okay. dog. Um, <laughs> come here right now. In your bed, in your bed. It's been annoying enough. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> males. <laughs> you know what's really interesting is I fully expected some some terrible feedback on Sam Carter and Ties That Bind. I didn't get any. No one complained about Sam being the bad guy. No one complained about her being so epically stupid in her social interactions with people. I rarely get complaints when I bash Jenny Weasley. I never get complaints when I bash Jennifer Keller. Ever. I think it's I well I think it's partially because the the characters often in in canon are a little bit two dimensional so it's very easy to um, Carter more so than anybody else on the team even Teal'c and he had the most potential to be the two dimensional character because he has no emotional affect um, but 
her motivations were the least clear to me in the show. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't develop her very well in a lot of respects. And she really just sometimes was a little bit, she wasn't she wasn't a character you often empathized with. So because the characters are flat a little bit in canon, it's easy to tweak their personality just one or two degrees off of center and you get a character nobody is going that feels close enough to the way it was in the show that it that people go, "Yeah, that, I can see that happening." And people sort of dig it. <laughs> You know, well, see that's um, the, see that's the issue that I have with it is that it was so easy to turn these characters into something dark and ugly, and no one complained. And yet, I get accused of misogyny for Tangled Destinies. That's just I just can't, can't wrap my brain around that, especially for that. I mean, somebody's gone after you. It's me going after you for ties that bind. Or, ties that bind. You know, I, human I, I, nature. I would at least, yeah, I would at least have, I would at least have gone. Well, okay, I, could, I, I, I would rock it in an intellect. You know, actually, I would rock it. I would understand it at an intellectual level, but I would not get mm-hmm. it. You know, at, at, a, at a more visceral level. But, um, but, but, but I'm just mystified that someone would accuse you of misogyny over Tangled Destinies because that's one of my, you know, of, of your female characters. That's one of my favorites. Maybe my favorite of your female characters. I love to Paul in that fic. She's all snarky and ill-prepared. <laughs> yeah, which you don't <laughs> They keep expect. throwing that human scientist at it her. Was, it was unexpected, <laughs> yeah. They're all like, yeah, you're just going to give her what she wants because, you know, when when Amanda wants to adopt the little girl, no one's like, no one's saying, Sarah, oh, yeah, he's, Okay. <laughs> There's a, no, there's no point where somebody tells her that Sarah is going to say that's not going to happen, because they automatically know that she's going to get exactly what she wants. Because he, he's always giving her exactly what she wants, or what she expresses to want. Yeah, and so, I think that I think what I read into the story is that if she was dead set on staying on Vulcan, that it probably would have happened. Just because they, that's what she wanted. But she didn't want to be there. She wanted to be on Earth, but she never voiced it because she thought she was doing what was best for her husband right. and for Spock. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, anyways, I, I will always be offended by that accusation. And it isn't often that I get offended by something that somebody says about me in fandom because fuck them and fuck them in their eye. Um, but uh, that <laughs> Not, yeah, particular accusation... <laughs> <laughs> that particular accusation is always is always stuck in my craw because like I, like like you said, if it had been about ties that bind or or human nature, I'd have slacked it off because okay, yeah, I don't treat women in those two fix particularly well across the board. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean there's awesome characters in ties that are bind that are female, um, but uh, someone just pointed out in the chat room that the first fix they ever read in Stargate was ties that bind, so she hates Sam Carter. Right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, if you don't if you don't Cuz I am Canada, a gateway. I am are. a gateway drug for a lot of Stark for, um, for 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 fandom um, um people come in and they that they enter new fandoms because of me. It's it's it happened quite a lot. So, um yeah. Well, if you don't know canon and you read somebody's fic and you like their fic, there and you especially if you really like it, um 
you, their interpretation of um, the characters is going to really stick with you. And it, right. it, it, it might stick like glue, and you might find later on that that's how nobody else perceives that character. And then you're like, huh. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Sort of. <laughs> not really. No, you're not. A little bit. Not actually at all. Um, I'm not particularly fond of um, Ken and Sam. Um, I lost kind of all respect for her um, in the episode with the black hole. Because she was more interested in the science and the fact that those people were dying on that planet. Yeah. That was a hard episode. They were dying, and she was more interested in the science. It was terrible. I was like, oh, my God. And and even on, like, I know it was scripted to be this way, but Jack looked at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And that was, like, pretty much the end of her character for me. Um... I am looking forward to the um, Mary Sue accusations, even if they don't actually happen on my own site because people are afraid. That's something actually that kind of bothers me. Um, Lately I've been getting um, feedback that starts with, or emails or comments on Facebook to start with, don't get mad at me. Okay. Don't get (laughs) mad at me? Really? So starting off in the victim role, okay, and you're putting me in the role of the bad guy. Thank Abuser. you. Abuser. Our, our is relationship is starting off. Our relationship is starting off well in the first sentence. Thank you for setting this groundwork. Right. So so off the bat, I'm the bad guy. I'm the abuser. I'm going to bully you in some way. So yeah, it's uh, that that's happened quite a bit. So don't do that, people. Don't do that. I do write Jack and Sam in, in what might have been, and I did that purely out of rebellion because people kept bitching about it. And um, I uh, I wrote Sam with Daniel in Sentinels of Atlantis because I was told repeatedly in emails from a bunch of people that they hoped that the next fic that I wrote after what might have been, it would be Jack and Daniel. And so I didn't. And the only reason Jack and Daniel are together in Ties That Bind is because um, Lady Holder likes it. And I, and I put that in for Lady Holder. Just so you know. <laughs> that is the only reason. So you, because so it Jack pissed me Dan- off so much. Jack Daniel shippers, you owe Lady Holder a lot. It was just really annoying. It was really annoying that they were busting my balls over this whole, um, like, yeah, I said that, Uh, (laughs) this whole Jack Sam thing. So I was like, fuck it. I'll fix you bitches. I made Jack with Patrick, and I put Sam and Daniel together. Suck it. And I, 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 you know, that, you know that, you actually broke me a little bit with that because Jack Patrick is practically an OTP for me now. <laughs> it, it it really um I have to admit that it 
that it worked for me like mad. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was, when I first started doing it, when I first started going that direction, I was like, mm, I don't know. But by the time I got to that sex scene, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> this is going to be hot. And it was. Yeah, that it sex was, scene I was, was divine. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed writing that sex scene. And I'm like, boom. Bring it. Yeah, I was because I you, that of course existed before I wrote Jack with Tony, and uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, I really want to do this pairing, but Jack belongs with Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and I could pair Tony with somebody else. It doesn't have to be Jack. But it doesn't you know. have to be Jack. <laughs> doesn't have to be Jack. <laughs> Uh, but I got over it. But still, but, you know, I I don't I don't have a lot of OTPs. But you know that 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 one that one that one I'm flirting with it on that one. I don't know. There's just something really sexy about it, right? I mean, there's just something um, interesting about their dynamic, about them being at a very similar age. And um, I'm gonna tell you a secret. I don't actually pair anybody in NCIS. But if I wrote NCIS, I would write. Gibbs Fornell. <laughs> I know I would I I would I would pay to read that. I would. <laughs> if if that if, if we could buy fan fiction, I would I would buy that novel. <laughs> I'm just saying. I totally would. Um there's just something about it. There's a there's respect and um there's love there, even in canon. I mean, it's you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously a brotherly Definitely. love. Um, so, so it's there, and it, it's lovely. And I could see that. I could see that turning in a, in, in a way, and them kind of settling down together, and and being, you know, grouchy old men <laughs> <laughs> with sex. <laughs> I just, I totally could. I mean, and 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 if I wrote NCIS, that's that's what I would write. Yeah. And the fandom would well, hate me, but I wouldn't give a shit. Well, most of my NCIS ideas, um, because I don't like the way Tony's treated in canon or the way he's characterized um, later in the show, most of my NCIS plot bunnies are about him basically leaving and being with somebody else. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, um, you know, people, that, people. I, I'm getting a lot of, because uh, I published, I wrote Emergence first, but I published Journey first. So mm-hmm. people thought I, you know, oh, you, there's lots of, oh, I wish you would write Gibbs, Tony. wish you would write Gibbs, Tony. wish you would write Gibbs, Tony. And then Emergence comes out like a week later or starts publishing it. And it's like the same people who are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you do this. And I, it's like part of me wants to go, it's going to be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I shot my wad. I have to move on. <laughs> Congratulations on inserting that into a conversation. How often does a girl get to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but I am also. So I have to tell you. So I, I'm, I'm going to give. I'm going to. I'm going to spoil something for. Um, um. I was having a little bit of hard time for my for my uh, one of my uh, spring training. I don't know why I can't seem to keep spring training in my brain. Spring training projects, and so I'm pinging um, Star Kindler about. Um, I just need I just need some thoughts 
around what I'm trying to do, and is it too weird kind of thing, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I the, the closest I have, um, the thing that is really, really close to an OTP for me is Bilbo Thorin. It's really, mm-hmm. really close. I mean, I still read lots of other pairings. I'm willing to go down that path, especially with authors that I really like. I'm willing to read whoever they pair them up with. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it, it's, it's, of 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 the on, almost OTPs that I have, it's definitely the top of the list. I just love their chemistry think, in the movie. I think what seals it for me is that I did watch the death scene on um, YouTube, and it was devastating. I, I, um, I, and I, Martin played that to the hilt. He, he said goodbye to the love of his life. That's what he did, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was. I was like, and I was so fucked up just watching two minutes and 17, 14 seconds of that. I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't, there's no, I'm glad I didn't go to the theater to see it because I would have had to have, um, like, physical help to leave the theater. <laughs> there's just no way. I was a sobbing. I wet my whole face. My whole face was wet. I sobbed. There was snotty. I mean, it was, I had a really ugly girl cry. It, it was terrible. It was terrible. So he does say goodbye to the love of his life in that in in that moment. So it's really hard for me to see him with anybody else. I definitely cannot see him with either one of the boys, Keely or Feely. I I can't. I can't because that's like they're they're almost kids to me, and I just I can't see him with them, even though they're twenty years older than him. Yeah. They're very much they're they're, they're very much kids. Yeah. I've seen I've seen <clears throat> I've seen, so, I've seen plot 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 lines that had a a hook that made it work for me. But it's mm-hmm. uncommon that I can go down that path. Um but I'm going I'm 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 going to violate my OTP basically. I'm going completely a different direction. Um and mm-hmm. I'm a little bit like, what am I? Am I really good? I'm, I'm part of it, I'm still kind of like, am I really going to do that? I'm really going to do that. But Thorin's going to be Bilbo's father, not his soulmate <laughs> in the story I'm doing for spring training. So that's going to be different. I tell you, you know that baby face I have I put on Facebook sometimes with her nose is all scratched uh-huh. up? I totally just yes. did that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 trying to get my head around it. I mean, it's physically possible. It's it's physically possible. Be half it's physically dwarf. Possible. He'd be a dwabbit. He'd be a dwabbit. He'd be a dwabbit, exactly. Thorne's gonna marry Belladonna Took. I would totally read that if you if you wrote it. Well, that's my that's my uh that's my spring training historical one. So I was like, "Am I really good?" Because I, I, as I was plotting it, I was right, doing the plot. And this is when I it was one of the things I poked Starkindler about was as I'm plotting this, it feels like it's going Thorin Belladonna on me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I finally said, "You know, this is the way it feels. That's just what I'm going to go with." It wasn't the way it started, but and then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, Bilbo's going to be Thorin's kid." Huh. Consequences. <laughs> yeah, so that's going in that direction. Consequences, yeah, you go down. So sometimes you go down a plot path and you go, oh, there's going to be consequences to this. But, yeah, so um, 
So between uh, my, uh, I'm going to write a, a female-focused um, story for spring training, and then um, Star Kindler uh, helping me out with uh, with that. I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely going a different path than I've written in the past for for April. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. I think it'll be fun. I think that um, exploring your boundaries and pushing them and um, challenging yourself is the best thing you can do as a writer. Um, And I hope that kind of inspires. That's the environment I want to inspire in Rough Trade is um, not only I want you know to be safe. um, To about I want you to feel comfortable exploring concepts and characterizations and ideas that you might not be comfortable with in other situations and places because I got your back. Yeah. And that's and that's what it is. It is an incredibly safe place. And I hear I hear um um then I'm just made a ask a question about cuz my 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 internet spouse has arrived. Uh yes, I did I did really delve into the evil that she uh that we talked to a few nights ago. I'm not in, still in denial, Senna. No. <laughs> There's no denial now. happening. She's all I'm, in. I'm all, yeah, I'm all up in that. Um, but there's two things I run across. is um, the uh, You've got uh, people who have been hesitant to write before that because of rough trade are willing to try. And I've talked, I know I there's been several awesome. people. I mean, the first time out, you've got that. So you've got that dynamic, which I think is incredible, that you have created a safe place for new writers to come up and try their hand at something that they, you know, probably the the fandom herd mob mentality probably keeps a lot of new writers away, and you have a safe place oh, I'm for sure them it to does. try their hand. And the other thing is for the writers who are more experienced is to push their boundaries again away from that um fandom herd mob mentality that you know that affects us you know I, i'd like to think that it the me before a week ago would have said it doesn't affect me but after all my soul mm-hmm. searching last week it does affect me it has affected me and i just want to be more aware of it and then i want to make conscious choices about it as opposed to not being aware of why I do what I do. Well, here I'm going to validate you a little bit on this because it, I do it too. Um, and I recognized this in myself after I read your blog post, which is why um, we ended up where we are right now. Um, during Evil Author Day, leading up to the Evil Author Day, I started picking out the excerpts I was going to showcase on Evil Author Day. And um, most of you who listen to the radio show regularly know I have close to a half a million words in works in progress right now. <laughs> Sorry. I do. It's 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 actually it could be precarious. It's it's probably over half a million words right now in you works in progress. Every minion, you give every minion a hard on when you said that. I mean, <laughs> right? Don't hurt yourself. It'll be okay. <laughs> um suck it up, sweetheart. Suck it up. Lay Holder just said that she only read 100K of it. That's not true. You've read way more than that. Um, because I think, well, plot's almost 300, and you've read most of that, if not all that I've got. Come on now. Anyways, what I was going to say is I picked out 
all of my excerpts I was going to do, and I made a list. And then I realized my list was entirely het. Because I haven't been working on any mail mail, and I have I have a couple mail mails, and I have I have like fifteen half started Stargate projects, but none of them are in a place where that I haven't shared. Um, none of them are in a place where I thought like I could give an excerpt, and I really like to give my excerpts at least be four or five thousand words because I don't see any point in giving you a thousand words. That's just me personally. I like to give you a meaty excerpt when I'm doing Evil Author Day, which is why they tend to be ten, fifteen, sometimes thirty k which is sometimes a full story for some people. I know I'm crazy. You'll overlook it. So I was like, I actually (laughs) felt guilty. I felt guilty for not having Slash on my Evil Author Day list. And why did I feel guilty? Because I have all these Slash fans and who only read the Slash. And I was like... And that's where the group dynamics comes in, and, and that's where um, fandom expectations are pressing on me that I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. I, I, and so I put Inception on my um, – I have that Inception fix, and I have two of them that I'm really attached to, and they're both actually Limbo fix. Um, and um, Arthur ends up in Limbo in one, and Ames ends up in Limbo in the other. And um, – my favorite is the Dusty Springfield song, um, one, and that's the one um, where Arthur ends up in limbo and Ames has to um, move the world to get him back. And so I had these two Slash projects, and I thought, well, I'll just put up the um, the other Inception one so I have something Slash to put up because otherwise all my offerings are going to be het, and um, I felt guilty about it. And that's fandom, that's me mm-hmm. trying to meet the expectations of fandom. So we all do it, even if we don't recognize that we're doing it. Well, I Oh, am... also, I... What? Go ahead. Go ahead. You finish. I put up blank space for the same reason. You put up what? Um, I wanted to offer my blank space. That's my Harry Hermione oh. one. Oh, right. I put okay. up blank space because I wanted to have something for my Harry Hermione fans. Again, fandom expectations. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Evil Author Day was a fun thing to participate in, um, but it's funny, you know, it, it builds its own expectation on it. Mm-hmm. But it still is a lot of fun because I like the it's out there and it's like it got wrapped in this enormous disclaimer of leave me alone about it. <laughs> right? Like here's my here's my stuff. And don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, letting me explore this topic further with you. Um, it was, uh, was great. It was m- much on my mind this week, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. It was fun for me, too. You guys remember, think before you repark. No ask now. <laughs> you guys no have a great weekend. Either. <laughs> Definitely no ass to cut. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Bye.
humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Napa You don't have to know fancy terms like ceramic, metallic, and calibers to know that this sound isn't a good thing. And now at most Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, you'll get a $75 prepaid Visa card when you spend $250 on brakes. Do it yourself or have it done for you and save $75. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 531.19.